just glad you could uh, tune in this morning uh, for this Easter service. It's the first time where I've been in Easter service where there's nobody in the church. And I don't know when that will occur again, but we just have to wade through this. And uh, we just want to bring a message of, of hope this morning. And that's what we're going to be speaking on Easter. And I'm talking about hope. And I'm going to have H-O-P-E. And I'm going to talk about the, the letter H and the letter O and the letter P and the letter E. So I'm just going to pray before I start. Father, I just ask that for each one that's listening this morning, that you will speak to them. Maybe some people that don't know you, that you will open up their hearts with your word. <clears throat> Father, we just ask you to move upon them in a special way. I just ask that for those who are fearful today, that you will take away the fear and show them that uh, uh, that you have not given a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. So, Father, I just ask you to break through this morning with your word, by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. So, just want to, uh, I have a, a slide here. And uh, are you ready to put the slide on for the uh, PowerPoint? Okay, and the first one is, I have a cross. You see this cross, that was from 9-11. And after, it was two pieces that just sort of, with the fire, and they just got blended together. And it, in, in the shape of a form of a cross, it's still there if you want to visit New York City. And um, you'll, you'll see this cross. That's what happened. And we're talking about the cross this morning, 9-11. So we're going to look at, I'm just going to read, uh, starting reading from Colossians chapter 2, uh, 13, 14, and 15. And it says here, when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. And verse uh, 14, having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us, he took it away, nailing it to the cross. And in verse 15 says, and having disarmed the powers and the authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. And in Galatians 6, 14, <clears throat> it says, but God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. We're living in a different world today. Now, with this pandemic, I have never gone through anything like this before. I've been in war zones. I've experienced famines in Africa when I lived in Africa. Uh, I've seen uh, economic downturns, uh, but now we're in a different thing with a pandemic where we can't even cross the border. You just look at Italy where you have 13,000 healthcare workers that have become ill and 90 doctors died, and, and you see the USA becoming very vulnerable, especially New York City, and there's a sense of helplessness, helplessness. And I guess it really reveals what's really important in life uh, is that the, uh, the NHL is not as important as some people thought it was. Uh, and, of course, we see small businesses, the mall stores, clothes, and car dealerships, uh, and millions out of work now just in this short period of time. Who would have thought that at Christmas time, when we were having Christmas dinner, that we'd be, you know, three months later in this situation that we're in now? 
And there's some people are losing hope. You see the lineups at the food bank yeah, right here, uh, the health care workers and the uh, big lineups at food banks. I think I have another slide there with the food bank lineups. If you go there, this is in uh, Florida right now, uh, big lineups uh, for food. And so and it, goes, it seems to be a loss of hope for Easter time. But I want to tell you there is hope at Easter. And... Uh, and the word hope, it means to cherish or desire with anticipation. No, to want something to happen or to be true. And uh, in the Hebrew word, it means to wait by implication, to be patient. And uh, in the Greek word, elpis, uh, it means to anticipate, usually with pleasure, expectation. Now, some people ask, well, why is it called Good Friday? No, when uh, Jesus dies. Well, first thing of all, it's uh, is it the that there's an, a final sacrifice for sin. That's Good Friday. That means everything that you have done wrong in thought, word, deed, and action, it, Christ died in your place on the cross. And of course, another thing about it, uh, what about Easter is the empty tomb. That means he, he rose again. And for those that know him, they'll join him. And so that's. Good Friday, that's good news. And so we can learn from the, the book of the beginnings of Genesis that we are living in a fallen world. It talks about how sin entered in, how it affected the whole earth, how it affected the human race. And some people are wondering why these viruses and things like this going around. Well, when God created the earth, he said it was good. But when sin came in, that it became contaminated. Matter of fact, 95% of the viruses are good. They're good. But with the fall of man, these rogue viruses have come in, such as a coronavirus. And that's part of the fallen world. But I want to give you a message of hope today. And the first letter I want to look of is H. And the good news here is it's helplessness. Helplessness. That means you have to know that you are helpless. See, in Colossians 2.13, it says this. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. It says, when you were dead. When you were dead. No, he made you alive. And that's the good news right there. Dead in your sins. And uh, what does dead mean? It means you're dead, necros. You can't do anything. And uh, that means there's no hope for your spiritual life. You're dead. What can a dead man do? I remember uh, I was at a funeral, and uh, Daniel, he was about five years old at the time. And we went to the funeral, and he wanted to look at the corpse. So he stood up by the coffin, and he poked him. And he said, yep, he's dead. And he couldn't move or nothing. Uh, that's, and so spiritually, we're dead. See, there is no spiritual work that you can do to make yourself right before God. And uh, you remember the spiritual leaders at the time that Christ was killed, they had the word of God, but they didn't have the God of the word in them. And they're the ones that caused him to, to die on the cross. And so I, I've seen this many times where, People can know the Word of God, the Bible, 
Some know the, the Greek, the Hebrew, they know it inside out, but there's no change in their life. So you can have the Bible knowledge in your head, but there's been no heart change. And that's what Jesus does. He, when somebody receives Christ and they're born again, it changes them. If there's no change and they're reading the Bible and they have a knowledge of the Bible, that means there's no change. They have a head knowledge but no heart knowledge. And that's a dangerous thing. So there has to be change. Uh, I remember I heard a story of a, a preacher. Actually, he was a minister in a church for years, but he wasn't born again. Then one day, after about 11 or 12 years, his own preaching, while he was preaching, he became born again. The Word of God came upon him and changed him and transformed him. And so he was dead until God moved in him. And Christ made him alive. Now, in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, it says this. It says, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. You see that right there on the screen? The gift of God. A gift it means you can't work for it. You can't earn it. You can't merit it. You can go to church seven days a week and pray and do all sorts of things, light candles, but... If you're not born again, you're dead. That's why it's a gift of God. And Ephesians 2, 9 says, not of works, lest any man should boast. See, there's, there's a quest for salvation. There's an a emptiness in, in, in man, and he tries to sometimes find God in his own way. I think I have a slide here. This is, I don't know if you can see it on the screen, but here's a, a Hindu with big hooks stuck in his flesh, and he's trying to do penance. He's trying to make himself right before God. But you can't do that. You cannot save yourself. It's an act of God. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, it says this. And it says, and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin. Who's the one who makes you alive? It's Christ who makes you alive. And there's nothing you can do. It's him who comes down and makes you alive. And so that means we were helpless. Until someone sees their helplessness, that's the first word of the word hope, helplessness. Uh, that's a beginning of going in the right directions. In Acts 13, 39, and by him, everyone who believes is justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. Now, in Galatians 2.16, I'll read this. It says, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Christ Jesus, that we might be justified by faith in Christ, not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. And we see... Uh, no, they, these are religious works that people try to do to make themselves right before God. You can't do it. Even the Apostle Paul, this is after he became, uh, this is about 25 years after he became born again on his uh, Damascus Road experience. In Romans 7, 23 and 24, it says, I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. And in verse 24, he said, Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And so the apostle Paul, he could not deliver himself. And this made him more fervently thanking God of the way of salvation 
revealed through Jesus Christ. It's Christ who makes your lives spiritually. And that's the good news of Easter. And in Romans 3.10, listen to this. There is none, as it is written, there is none righteous. No, not one. Do you see that? That's a triple negative. As it is written, there is none righteous. No, not one. A triple negative. And he repeats that later on in Romans 3.12. says that they have all turned aside. They have all together become unprofitable. There is none who does good. No, not one. That means, shows you helplessness. Helplessness as regard to uh, spiritual things. So I want to go on to the next word letter now of hope. So the first letter is H, helplessness, that you cannot make yourself right before God by yourself. It's only Christ who can do this. Now the word O is what I want to emphasize here is the obedience of Christ. There's our hope, the second H, the obedience of Christ. In Colossians 2.13, uh, we'll put that on the screen. It said, when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. It says, God made you alive. Through, with Christ, God made you alive. And it says that it's only Christ that can make you right with God. There's nobody else. It's only Christ. He says, I am the way, the truth, and life. No man comes to the Father but through me. Now, in Luke 19.10, it says this. For the Son of, this is Jesus speaking, for the Son of Man, that's Jesus, has come to seek and to save that which was lost. That's Jesus' uh, goal for coming. Hebrews 9.12, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood he, he uh, entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. Eternal. Eternal. That's from forever and ever. Redemption. Well, what's that word redemption? It means to buy back. I think I have it here on the screen. It means to buy back. It means to repurchase, to, to get win back. It means to free from what was, uh, what distresses or harms. That's redeem. To free from captivity by payment of ransom. That's what that redeemed. That's what Jesus did. He did that to keep people from captivity. A lot of people are captive today. Some are captive to drugs. Some people are captive to lust. Some people are captive to pornography. Some people are captive to making money. Some people are captive by all sorts of things. Some people are captive to the imaginations of their mind. And so Christ came to free you. And uh, that's, why, that's what Easter is all about. That's the oh, obedience of Christ. So Christ came to earth as a man, the God-man, and he was obedient. Uh, I remember... There was a place in France during the French Revolution. A young man was condemned to die by the guillotine and was put in prison until his name would be called for the execution. And there were many who loved this and cared for this young man, but none cared for him more than his own father. And when the time came and the names were called, the father, whose name was the same as his son's, 
He went to the executioner's stand instead of his son, and he died in his son's place. He revealed the ultimate love. And so Christ showed the ultimate of his love by dying in the place of sinners. See, Christ died in your place for everything wrong that you have done in thought, word, deed, and action. He was the living substitute who died in your place. And that's the message of Easter. That's part of the hope. That is the hope for Easter. And here's what Martin Luther said. Martin Luther said, To know Christ and to believe in him is no achievement of man but the gift of God. I'm going to say that again. To know Christ and to believe in him is no achievement of man but the gift of God. That's Martin Luther who said that. And in 1 Peter 3, 18, it says this. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. And uh, so it's Christ who suffered the just for the unjust. That means he was the just one. He never committed sin. We are the unjust ones who are filled with sin, and he died in your place. And in Romans 5.19, it says, For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. I don't know if I have that one on the screen or not, that Romans 5.19. Do you have it there? Yeah, here it is. Uh, it says, For as by one man's disobedience, Adam, many were made sinners, so also by one man's, that's Christ, obedience, many will be made righteous. Many. I just have to pick up my papers here. And so he is the righteous one. He died in your place so that we could have eternal life and have fellowship with him. That is the good news. It says, for as by one man's disobedience, that's how sin entered into the world. That's why people die. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. And so the obedience, that's the old part that we're looking at of hope, Christ's obedience. And so, and that's, that's the doctrine of the gospel. Jesus made us right in his righteousness, not our own, and we are accepted in the beloved. And so you have to know that salvation is not the, re the reward of merit for any good things that you've done. A lot of people say, well, I've done a lot of good things. Well, that's good, but I won't get you to heaven. That won't give you eternal life. Well, I have given to the poor. That's good, but that won't get you to heaven. I've done many good works. That's good. These things are good, but it doesn't in the spiritual realm. It's only through the righteousness of Christ. And so it's not a reward of merit. And on the cross, here's what it says in John 1930. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. So it is finished when he died on the cross. That's what he said. That's what the sixth thing he said on his cross, the sixth word that were spoken. And that word, uh, teleo, it means, next slide, 
It means to bring to a close, to finish. It means to perform or execute or complete or fulfill an order or command. It means to pay a debt. That's what that word means. And so to pay a debt, that means we're the, we're the ones that owe the debt of sin, but Jesus took it and paid it in our place. And so Jesus paid the debt that we could not pay. He's the one who did it. And then he said, here I am. I have come to do your will. He sets aside the first to establish the second, that Christ should redeem us by his self-sacrifice. So it's the obedience of Christ. That's the second letter of hope. The first letter is H, helplessness, that we can't do anything in ourselves to make us right before God. But through Christ's obedience of dying on the cross, in your place, in my place, that puts hope in perspective. So I want to look at the third letter now of the word hope, which is peace. In Romans 5, 1, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so what faith gets hold upon the righteousness of Jesus, and so that makes us just before the Lord, and that brings a heavenly peace into the soul. It's not our own good works, you know, that does it. And so we can see here peace with God, but it's through Christ. Nothing that we've done. And in Romans 5.10, it says this, For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God, through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Saved by his life. His life. Whose life? Jesus' life. Christ's life. And remember, I had a chance to speak at the United Nations uh, on a couple occasions. I was in the UNICEF room, and the topic was peace in our time. Is it possible? And they advertised it throughout the whole UN. There was about 300 people there. And uh, when I... I spoke probably about 45 minutes, and the bottom line was this. He says, unless you have peace in your soul, individual soul, there'd be no peace in the world. See, a lot of people don't have peace in their soul. And Christ is the Prince of Peace. And I remember that time when I, and I gave an invitation. Uh, at that time, uh, if they wanted to have the peace of Christ in their soul, and there was two Muslims came forward at that time. And that was God moving upon him that. And that was real. Uh, and it's, that's what it says in John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. See, some, there's, a, there's a peace that the world gives. Some find it in the bottle. Some find it in the pill. Some find it in relationships. But it doesn't last. It says, let not your heart be troubled Neither let it be afraid. And so uh, there's a lot of people feel fearful today with this coronavirus and with good being. You see that the leader of the United Kingdom, he, he was very close to death in the hospital with the coronavirus. He did get out, but he was very close. There was another fellow who was in the hospital with him in London. He, was, he worked 35 years with the British Airways, and he died of the coronavirus 50 years old. And so... There's no barrier with this invisible virus. This invisible virus is shutting down nations. It's shutting down economies. 
And it's opening a door to fear in people's hearts. But Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. He says, my peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives. So let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. That's the promise of Jesus for this time. That's the hope of Easter. That's the message of Easter. And so what does that word peace mean? Anyway, it means uh, from the Thayer uh, definition of Thayer's dictionary, it means a state of national tranquility. It, uh, It means exemption from the rage and havoc of war. It means peace between individuals. It means harmony. Next slide. It means security, safety. And uh, here it is for the Christian part. It says, the tranquil state of a soul, assured of its salvation through Christ, and so fearing nothing from God and content with its earthly lot. And that's what, that's what it means in the Greek. Webster says, freedom from disquieting or oppressive thoughts or emotions. There's a lot of people with oppressive thoughts and emotions right now. Jesus paid the debt that you could not pay and that you could have his peace. And it says in Hebrews 10, 9, then he said, here I am. I've come to do your will. He sets aside the first to establish the second, that Christ would redeem us by his self-sacrifice. So that's the old part of hope, Jesus' obedience in going to the cross with your wrong and my wrong, and he died in your place. Now, the, I want to look at the third letter of the word hope, which is P, peace. In Romans 5.1, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we, we thank the Lord here. It says, uh, faith lays hold upon the righteousness of Jesus and makes us just before God. And so our own good works are faulty. And neither can make peace for us nor work peace in us. It's only the peace of Christ. Now, in Romans 5.10, for it says, If when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Want to put that slide up? It says, If when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. We are saved by his life. Thank the Lord for that. Saved by his life. There's little peace in our society today. Uh, you see a society upside down in turmoil. Uh, you see people on Facebook putting all sorts of stuff on it. It's just incredible what they put up. They get offended. They start ranting and raving against people or situations. It shows you that they don't have peace within. They don't have that peace. No peace of Christ. In Galatians 5.22, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Trust, Justin Trudeau said there's going to be a new normal. The old normal, the old way we've known life uh, in the past years, that, that will be gone. And he says, until we get a vaccine, if they find a vaccine. He's talking about one to two years. Now, who would have thought that this would have happened? You know, just a few months ago. And so we're going to have to, re, we're going to, have to do some deep adjustments, readjusting. God has standards. You know, and if divine rules are broken, there are consequences. 
Now, North America has gone their own way without God. They've taken God out of the schools, prayer out of the schools. Uh, they're even trying to take the, in God we trust off the money in the states. And they don't want anything to do with God. And so, and they do things that are against God's laws. And, of course, there's consequences to that. And, and the apostles, when they were in a storm, the apostles were in a storm one time. And I'll, just, I'll just read it. It's, it's uh, Mark 4. 37, a great windstorm arose and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he, Jesus, was in the stern asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and they said to him, Teacher, do you, do you not care that we are perishing? And then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased and it was a great calm. See, the Easter message of Christ is reconciling man to God so he can have peace no matter what storm we're in. We are in a storm now, you know, a pandemic. And uh, Christians will suffer. People have already lost their jobs. Millions have lost their jobs in the States. But there's a hope. And in Isaiah 26.3, it says this, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusted you. And the word is samak. It means to learn, to lean upon or to take hold. Leaning on Jesus. So he was close to his own sufferings, Jesus. Yet his main anxiety was to cheer the hearts of the dear ones he was about to leave. He didn't have, Jesus didn't have any selfish thoughts. He was taking on the sin of the world. That's why the world is in such a mess today, because of sin. But I want, to, I want to look now to the fourth letter of hope. We looked at the first letter, H, helplessness, spiritually. The O is the obedience of Christ. And P is the peace that Christ gives. And the E, it's for everyone. The gospel is for everyone. In John 3.16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. This gospel of Jesus, the Eastern message, is for everyone. And so uh, it's for every soul that trusts in Christ. And whoever trusts in him will be saved. In 1 Timothy 1.15, it says this, here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of who I am the worst. That's what the Apostle Paul said. I'm the worst of sinners. And he said, Christ came into the world to save sinners. We're all sinners. All of sin have come short of the glory of God. Now, D.L. Moody, can you put a picture of him up, D.L. Moody? Uh, born in 1837, he died in 1899. He was a shoe salesman, and he come to know the Lord. There was a, he was at his uncle's house, and one of the requirements was that he had to attend the church of Mount Vernon, where Dr. Edward Norris Kirk was the pastor. And in 1855, Moody was converted to Christ when his Sunday school teacher 
Edward Kimball talked to him about how much God loved him. So anybody who's a Sunday school teacher, you have an important job. This Sunday school teacher, he, he went to Moody's work. He was a shoe salesman, and he waited to go in there. And uh, there was people in the store at times, so he waited until he went to the back of the store. And basically what he said, he just said, he told Moody of Jesus Christ's love for him and how Christ wants Moody to love Jesus. And basically, that's what happened. He, he repented of his, of his sin. He changed around. And he became an evangelist for tens of thousands of people who went around the world. He had poor grammar. Some people laughed at him the way he spoke. But thousands came to the Lord through this one man, D.L. Moody. And because somebody spoke to him of Jesus' love for him, and he said, D.L., God wants you to love him. And that was that transition that occurred. Now, I just want to say to everybody who's listening today that God loves you, and he wants you to love him in return. Now, I can't open up the heart of anybody. It's only God who can do that. I think I showed you that, our helplessness. But that's the hope, helplessness in our, recognizing our helplessness in getting to God, knowing God. And knowing it's through the obedience, O, of the hope that we have, we can have a, a relationship with God. And then we have that P, the peace of God. And it's for everyone who has that in his heart, who's God's heart's open. So I'm just going to pray right now. Father, I just thank you for each one that's tuning in today. And uh, Lord, maybe some people are just they're feeling a tug in their heart, that you're tugging on their heart, that they, they, want, uh, they, they want you to come to him. Lord, maybe you know who they are. And you can, uh, if you feel God tugging on your heart to try to draw you into relationships, it's the Father who draws you. And you can just, just, uh, just receive him now. <clears throat> Ask Christ to move in you. Ask God to move in your heart and to receive him. Ask him to forgive you of uh, all the sins you've done. He says, we confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so, Father, I just ask you to move in each heart now. In Jesus' name I pray. May the Lord richly bless you. God bless you. If you have any questions, you can click under our website, livinghopechurchofgod.org. And may the Lord's richest blessings be with you this Easter.